0: It really is a privilege to be with you once again as we initiate our last session regarding no condemnation, none. I believe in my heart that you've been able to sense the heart of God towards you in regards to this uh, issue, which is so significant, an issue that affects millions and millions of believers. I believe in my heart that uh, it's definitely one of the major strategies of the enemy against you as an individual, against the church as a whole. I'm so excited about the heart of God. You know, the only provision, beloved, to be free from condemnation is the heart of God. And I'll I tell you, there's nothing like it. I, I want to do a few things in our last session. This session is entitled El Elyon. It's one of the names of God that's very powerful. It's recorded in both the Old and New Testaments. And I believe it's going to change your life. But before I do that, I, I simply want to say again that I really appreciate your desire, your heart, your heart to be free. You know, sometimes it's easier not to deal with things than to deal with them. But because of your heart towards God, because of your love for God, you you want to be free uh, from condemnation. You want to be a person that's used mightily by God. You want to be somebody that can uh, minister to others who are struggling in this area. So I, I really appreciate your commitment Uh, Really unto just letting Jesus wash you letting him minister to you and uh, it means so much to him Now what I want to do in this last session uh, I want to reiterate I want to summarize our first three sessions because they're so powerful Then I want to enter in to the name of El Elyon to capsulize bring forth uh, What was uh, shared in regards to our initial three sessions in our first session? you know, we shared that there are reasons that people struggle with condemnation. Uh, One of them is uh, religion, uh, a misperception of God. Uh, It can be upbringing where somebody has just been, I mean, had verbal abuse, degradation, and only God knows why this happens, but it does so often. Uh, And then we shared that one of the main reasons that people struggle with condemnation is not because they have a heart that's opposed to God, but because they have an awesome heart towards God. They have such a sensitive heart that when they miss it, they really take it to heart, even uh, in in a way that's too much. You know, uh, anything of hurt will penetrate you to a degree. But God wants you to be so fortified in your soul that that penetration is limited. So it in no wise, just is able to have dominion over you. So a sensitive heart was number four. Uh, Number five was uh, some people just, they have their self-worth in a uh, martyrdom uh, mindset. It's almost like, you know, I'm better than you because I I can endure more. And, and, and that's just not a mindset God wants us to have. Somebody else, uh, you've been put down so much, it's, it's normal to feel condemned, degraded. Uh, somebody else, uh, they failed. And they may have failed several times and they associate, they correlate failing with being a failure, which is so wrong. Uh, next, we shared in the context of predestination, where there are actually some people to believe that God uh, actually wants people to be condemned and degraded, irregardless uh, of their heart, which is, uh, of course, this, it's just not only uh, illogical, it, it's just so contrary to the heart of God. Uh, ninth, we said that calamity Uh, You know, it's somebody has experienced hurt and they just think that, you know, I must have done something wrong. I must have done something wrong. And then uh, somebody else, their emotions can be just so uh, frayed. You just feel like, you know, you've done something you can't be forgiven of. You you feel so strongly uh, drawn to to condemnation. And uh, that's a simple summary of the roots. But again, condemnation. It's something that is a tactic of the enemy. And very simply, it's assuming guilt that is not your own. That it causes you to enter into degradation, to hurt, to abasement. It causes you to enter in to, uh, to just honestly, just feeling that you're unworthy and, and you know, you're worthy of condemnation. I never forget, uh, one time I, I was, uh, ministering to a, a young lady at college, student, my wife and I were ministering to her and uh, this precious young lady had just been put down so much. And I said, I just sensed a, a spirit of abasement, you know, just, uh, just the, the, the devil just trying to come against you and to put you down. And, and we prayed and, you know, uh, my wife and I talked to her about three weeks later and we said, how you doing? She said, you know, since you shared with me about the love of God and I feel so much better, but she said, uh. You know, that demon in my basement, she said, that demon in my cellar, I I still don't, I'm not sure about that. Well, (laughs) the reason I shared that, sometimes you just just need some humor. Well, obviously, a spirit of abasement doesn't mean there's a demon in your cellar. It means that the enemy tries to abase, to put down, to constantly cause you to be in a position that is beneath really your integrity, your dignity as a child of God. All right. Now, to summarize our our first session, we can just say redemption. We entered into the reality, the the infinite suffering of Jesus Christ. We entered into the reality of redemption, that he who knew no sin became sin for you, that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I believe in my heart that this area of redemption is without rival, and its ability to, to, to bring us to the love of God, to see the heart of God, and to cause us to enter into the freedom that God has ordained for us. So again, in a nutshell, we went over the roots of uh, condemnation and the provision in, in regards to redemption. In our second session, called The Code of Many Colors, what we shared about the, the lies of the devil, how he tries to correlate hurt uh, with uh, you just being unworthy and trying to condemn you. You know, if you were abandoned in your eyes through divorce, he tries to make it your fault. If you have a disability, he tries to make you second rate. If you've been adopted, he tries to make you think that, you know, you're not wanted or loved like someone that's not adopted. He's so filthy. If you've been told that you're no good, he tries to tell you that that's the truth. You know, circumstances, a sin we committed, a being abused, it can be a hundred different things. Uh, born out of wedlock, the enemy is so filthy. And with every circumstance we find ourselves in that is hurtful or that is can be perceived as hurtful, the enemy is trying to put you in a place where, again, you're second best. And every one of those things that we just mentioned that the devil tries to use to tell you that your second best is nothing but a lie. All right, That now in our third session, well, let's continue in the second session. You know, I, the reason I'm going over this, I, I just, the anointing of God was so strong in each of the sessions. And I, I want you to make sure that every day your, your mind's on redemption. It's on the code of many killers. It, it's, it's on these predispositions that we're going to talk about. I, it's on, you know, the strategies, the enemies, so you can see him for what he is, so you can enter into who you are. All right. Now, we said that when Adam and Eve sinned, God Almighty slew an animal and the slaying of that animal, there was the shedding of blood and it typified it was a symbol of the blood that Jesus Christ would shed. And and he put a coat on Adam and Eve. You know, they sinned so profoundly, but God Almighty did not turn his back on them. They hid from him, but he did not hide from them. I am going to say that again. They hid from him. But he did not hide from them. Glory to God. And he's not hiding from you. Again, we put on a coat of guilt and pain. We can put on a, uh, a coat of perfectionism, hoping to make up for our shortcomings and our sin. You know, a lot of times uh, people put on a coat of success. They say, if I'm successful. And it must not be that bad. If I'm successful, I must be favored by God. You know, if I'm successful, I make a lot of money. You know, I'm the soccer mom. I'm this and I'm that. And then I'm okay. I go to church. I'm the soccer mom. Can I tell you something? That's not the coat that God's ordained for you. It's not the coat of many killers. We shared that uh, there's a code of being love's second best of abandonment people put on. There's a code of uh, hopelessness. No matter what I do, I- I'm going to end up a victim. There's a code of anger and overassertiveness that says, you know what? I'm going to control people so they don't control me. I'm going to control everything I can so I don't get hurt again. And then there's the code of independence. It's all about me. If it's working for me. It's fine if it's you know what if you don't line up to what I want I'm out of here it's the code of independence it might look like independence but really it's rebellion see all these coats are coats of deception and sometimes even in the church it's there's a code of gifting you know if I preach well or sing well or, or bring money into the church or do this or do that I must be all right my friend there's only one coat there's only one coat they can satisfy you, they can take away your condemnation, that takes away my condemnation, and that's the coat of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we shared how Joseph had that, the, the coat of many colors symbolizing that coat of righteousness and how the enemy came against that. We shared in depth how Tamar, uh, the virgin daughter of David, had the coat of many colors on and how the enemy came against that. We shared how Barnabas had the the beggar's coat on and he had to throw that coat away to take upon the coat of blessing. We shared about Leah having a coat of condemnation and how glory to God through the revelation of Judah, she put on the coat of righteousness. We shared about the prodigal son who came to his senses and and the father, oh, hallelujah, representing father God, put the coat upon him, hallelujah, representing the coat of colors, all the coat. The coat, the coat of righteousness. You know, we have no need to prove ourselves. We only have a need to believe. A need to worship him. Glory to God and understand that, you know, someone says to you, it's unfair. You think that, you know, just by what Jesus did, you're okay. Well, you know, don't you know that there's more to it than that? And that's religion in a nutshell. But I'm here to tell you this. It's fair in the eyes of God. Because you see, you owed a debt that you could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. I want you to understand this. It's a gift. And it's just like somebody that their daughter is in need of a kidney. Without the kidney, she'll die. And that parent has a kidney. You know what's exciting? When when that parent say, for example, that father gives that kidney to that daughter, it's really her kidney, but yet it's his kidney, isn't it? It's his kidney, but it's her kidney, and it's a difference between life and death. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. God just didn't give you a kidney. He gave you the righteousness of His Son. I'm going to say that again. You know, if a father, and I may have shared this before, but it bears repetition. Uh, there was a, a father about an hour and 15 minutes away in the in, in Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, from where I live. And uh, this man uh, weighed 350 pounds. He had to use, lose 150 pounds to become eligible to give his kidney to his daughter that she desperately needed. And he lost 150 pounds. And the news reporter said, was it hard? He said, it was the easiest thing I ever did. And then he said this. He said, you know, If I had to give my daughter both of my kidneys under my death, it wouldn't have been hard either. Isn't that amazing? God Almighty did do something that was so difficult in that he who knew no sin became sin. But you know, he did it willingly. He gave everything he had for you. Glory to God. All right. In our uh, third session, uh, we entered into something that was very practical uh, and uh, very gut level. You know, because I'm mindful. You know, you may have uh, watched the DVD or listened to the CD of the second session and you were just shouting. Man, you just put on that robe of righteousness through prayer. You were so excited. You saw yourself glory to God with the coat of many colors with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh man, and you were so excited and then perhaps you got up the next day and you didn't feel worthy. You felt more condemned than ever before. And that's why the third session Uh, We integrated the third session uh, as we did because I know that that happens. And we entered into the provision of God. And we said that the provision of God is uh, perceiving your own heart so you can conquer your own soul. And we went into depth in regard to what that was involved. And we used the scripture, 1 John 3.21, that if indeed your heart condemns you not, you have confidence towards God. Oh, you have confidence, even if your actions at times condemn you, even if your emotions condemn you, if your mind condemns you, other people condemn you, but if your heart condemns you not, you have confidence towards God. And then we shared of James one twenty one, where it talked about the engrafted word, being able to save your soul, bringing your soul to a place of strength, even as your spirits. And we talked about the reality of solical imprints and solical fractures, and, uh, and, and again, and how that affects our emotions, our mind, and and, and and how the enemy tries to utilize that. But then we entered into the provision. And I tell you, the provision was so awesome. We talked in about Luke 10, uh, 23. How the, 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 the man that was robbed and stripped of his integrity and beaten was laying there on the Jericho Road. And how somebody came. Thank God, somebody came for you. Somebody came for me. And, and how glory to God. Uh, and, the, and the Bible says, That man put in the wine and the oil into this man's wounds to make him whole. And we talked about the wine of the word of God and the oil of the spirit of God. And then we talked about the the word, the presence, the love of God, the voice of God. And then we went into one of my favorite really uh, teachings regarding the Ark of the Covenant. How because you're the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. You can literally partake of, of the glory of God and partake of jesus and the wholeness glory to god and we gave testimonies of the woman uh the shulamite woman in the song of solomon uh, the shulamite woman just how oh she overcame we gave test personal testimonies i gave you a testimony about a woman that had leukemia and that god touched but uh, she went through and got a transplant and, and and it looked like she was going to die but god graced her under recovery but almost a year after her recovery, she was experiencing every symptom prior to the transplant. And she went to the doctor. She had called me. We prayed. She went to the doctors and doctors said, you know what? You're perfectly okay. Your body has memory and things have just elicited that memory. And it's acting like it's not well, but it is. And I said, that is a tap analogous many times where you know what man God sees us as the righteousness of God we know that's true but man our emotions they raise up and our mind comes against us other people come against us we have to say you know what all was well all was well you know I, I oh glory to God all right there's so much there I had to reiterate it because every day listen to me please every day I think upon these things I think upon redemption by taking communion I think upon, uh, oh, glory God, I, with the help of God, I put on that coat of righteousness every day and then I enter into a place where I rejoice that God Almighty enables me to feed on Jesus. Hallelujah. So I can enter in to not letting my emotions dominate me, my mind dominate me, past solical imprints dominate me, but entering in to being whole through the wine and oil of his word. All right. Now with all that said, I now want to enter in to the name of El Elyon. You may have never heard of this name of God. It's uh, E-L-E-L-Y-O-N. And I, I want to share with you uh, the principle of the name before I share with you the definition of the name. You see, God works through names. You know, uh, in the Bible, you see, see, the word of God is a revelation of his heart. This Bible, this word of God, it's a revelation of his heart. When you look at this Bible, you see, this is the heart of God in written form. And God wants you to understand intrinsic to his heart are different characteristics of his heart. Every one of those characteristics are, uh, they're conveyed by name. Hallelujah. For example, the name uh, Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who provides. The name Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. And on and on and on. Here's what's exciting. The coat of many colors that's on you right now. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. It's first and foremost the righteousness of God. but intrinsic to the righteousness of God is each of the names of God representing a part of his heart manifesting for you. All right, so when you enter into that revelation, you begin to see that it's through the revelation of his name and then being able to actively participate in that name through saying that this name is for me. This name is who I am now. And you see, every one of the names of God are intrinsic, included in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Abba Father. Glory to God. All right. You see, the written word of God is called the Logos. that that just means it's it's the written word but then you see you go from the logos to the revealed word you go from the logos the written to the revealed word to the declared word to the manifested word it's the same way with the name you say i've heard you know the name of jesus christ but then when you get the revelation of who jesus christ is wow then you declare it unto him being your savior and, and you walk in that reality You see, with every name of God is this progression of the logos unto the revealed, unto the declared, unto the manifested. And I know there's a lot there, but that's what we're going to enter into today. All right. Now, again, El Elyon is one of the foundational names of who God is. It's one of the, the key names. Really, it's a key to understanding all the other names. And I just want to read you the definition. Literally, El Elyon means the God most high. The God most high. By definition, it's the God who lifts up. The God who resurrects. Whenever you see resurrection in the Bible, that's a derivative of the word Elyon. It means the God who honors, restores, and loves his people. Hallelujah. The God of the upper room. You see, encouragement is a derivative of El Elyon. Anything that lifts up. Oh, glory to God It is that's included in the name El Elyon. Now we're going to enter into what this means to you and how it can enable you to walk in such freedom of condemnation, but even more than freedom from condemnation to walk in the reality of an uplifting spirit, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All right. Now. There are scores of verses, I mean literally a hundred verses that that have the name of El Elyon. I'm just going to read you one right now. In Genesis chapter 14 and verse uh, uh, 19, it says that uh, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the most high God. You see, that's the name El Elyon. Um, I could give you in the Psalms, there are literally 20 verses relating to El Elyon. uh, Psalm 18, 13 to 17, Psalm 21, 3. Psalm uh, 57, 2, Psalm seventy-eight, thirty-five; 35, 82, six, 91, 1 through 9 of the beloved's 91st Psalm. And we go 119, 121, 134. I could keep going on and on. And it's all throughout the New Testament as well. El Elyon is Hebrew, but the uh, Greek derivative, uh, the Greek correlative, uh, the Greek correlative of the Hebrew Elyon is throughout the New Testament. Let's give some scriptural examples, and then let's talk about how this relates to you. Now, the first one, I I tell you, I get so excited, you know, because it's something that can change your life. Turn with me if you have your Bible to Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Luke 1, 32. Now, again, the reason I'm so excited is many of you listening to my voice, you have been put down. Your head has been hung low. Because of the spirit of condemnation. Joy has been taken from you. Destiny has been taken from you. Peace has been taken from you. And I'm here to tell you something. You're not only going to enter in. And, and many of you have already entered in for the first three sessions of great liberty. But now we're putting the, the, the icing on the cake so to speak. We're going to enable you to enter into a place of continual blessing. Walking under the reality and in the reality of El Elyon the uplifting spirit you know when you walk oppressed day after day it does something to your mind it does something to your countenance it does something to your life it's a thief it's come to kill rob and destroy but when you see the heart of god in the name El Elyon it will change your life forever all right let's look at some examples luke 132 and 135 Luke one thirty two, the scripture says this. When uh, the angel was talking to Mary, he said, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. That's the name El Elyon. He shall be called the Son of the Most High, El Elyon. Now look at this in verse 35. After Mary said, How should this be, saying I'm a virgin? The angel said, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee. Now listen to this. And the power of El Elyon shall overshadow thee therefore this holy thing shall be born of thee shall be called the son of god now here's what's exciting here's what's so exciting this is what brought forth jesus to the earth you see the power of el elion the most high god manifested through the overshadowing spirit and out of nothing jesus christ was now in mary's womb What an amazing miracle, the miracle of all miracles. Now, you say, what's that have to do with me? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, and we're going to look and see what this has to do with you. Now, I'll tell you what, if you can tell, I'm very excited because, you know, I'm learning to live in the spirit of El Elyon. And you know, when the spirit of El Elyon is resident within you, it's like the sun just shining in you. You can't, it just takes over. You just can't help but be blessed. It's an amazing glory. All right, Matthew 16, 17, in the context of what this has to do with you. All right, Matthew 16, 17. Now, after Peter said that you are the cross, the son of the living God, here's what Jesus said to him. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you. Remember we said you go from the Logos to the revealed? Has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now listen to this. Barjona. Oh, hallelujah. Jonah means dove or Holy Ghost or one who lifts up. Barjona is a derivative of El Elion. Jesus is telling Simon, because you've got a revelation of who I am, because you have a revelation of my heart towards you, because you have a revelation of the righteousness that's coming your way. You are no longer a small pebble. You are no longer a person of insignificance. You are a person of El Elyon. Now listen to me. If you get this, it'll change your life forever. El Elyon overshadowed Mary. And Jesus Christ was born. And because he was born. Of El Elyon. He was. In victory. Because. He was born of the most high. So he would walk. As one who was on high. Now obviously you're not Jesus. But here's the exciting thing. When you accepted Christ. You know what happened? El Elyon. Caused you. To become a child of the king. He caused you. To enter into a place. Where you're made to live on high. Not. To the dust of the ground. That's where the. The, the, the snake. In the garden. That's his destiny not yours. I'll never forget when I taught high school. In central Pennsylvania. I taught young men that. Most of their, their, their parents they were imprisoned. I remember one young man, his brothers were all in prison. His father was in prison. I went to his house. His mother was there with his uh, siblings. And, and uh, I went to his house just to help him out with some things. And, and, and i never forget as we talked, uh, she said, you know, uh, Johnny's going to end up in prison too, I'm sure. And Johnny looked at me and said, well, I, I know I'm going to end up in prison. And I said, son, why would you think that? But you see, he thought that because he was raised low. He was raised low. His, the only thing he knew was condemnation, negativity, and hopelessness. But you see, you're not born of that spirit. That's the spirit of condemnation. Now, I had another young man. I, I coached cross-country in track, and I was taking a young boy uh, home from track practice. His dad was a very successful businessman in the area. And, and, and I said, son, where do you think you're going to be? Because you know, he was a junior in school, and he said, you know what? I'm going to be a businessman. He said, my dad owns a restaurant. He said, I'm going to have 20 restaurants by the time I'm 30 and I'm going to be a millionaire. And you know what? It came to pass. You see, what was the difference? One was raised low. One was raised on high. I'm here to tell you something. God has called all of us to, be, and to enter into the spirit of El Elyon. There's so much here. So much here in uh, Mark 131. The Bible says that Jesus lifted up Peter's mother-in-law and when he lifted her up the fever left her and she was healed In Mark 9 27 there was a boy that had epileptic seizures and 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 and, and one of them was so severe it, fl- it threw him to the ground but Jesus came and he lifted him up and he was healed glory to Jesus and Luke 17 there was a woman that as Jesus was coming into the city of Nain there was a woman who that was by the coffin of her young son. She was a widow, her only son. And you know what Jesus did? He stopped the procession. He took that young man who was dead by the arm. And the Bible says he lifted him up, and the and the boy sat up. I tell you, oh, Jesus in Mark 5 45, the little girl who had died. Jesus came to her and said, Talitha Kumai. And then he took her by the hand and lifted her up. She was raised. Remember that story in Mark 5? Right after the woman with the issue of blood was healed, uh, the, the nobleman, uh, the synagogue official, Jairus, got word that his little daughter had died. And what did Jesus say? I'm sorry, I'm too late. No, he's never too late. He said, only believe. Have faith, only believe. What was he to have faith in himself? No, he was to have faith. And the God who lifts up. Hallelujah. And Jesus lifted up his daughter. You know in Acts 3.8. The apostles learned something from Jesus. There's a crippled man. Who was laid at the gate. The bag of alms. And Peter and John were going to the synagogue. And they saw the man. And compassion flooded their souls. And they prayed for the man. They said in the name of Jesus rise and walk. And you know what? He didn't rise and walk. So they took him by the right arm. And they lifted him up. And he was every with all. See, they entered into the spirit of El Elion, the lifting up spirit. Mary Magdalene, when she was about ready to be stoned, you know, she was standing there, ready to be abased, degraded, destroyed. You know, with every stone, she would stoop down lower until she would get so low she couldn't get up. And Jesus stopped it and said, which of you is without sin? They all left. And Jesus was without sin, but instead of condemning her, you know what he did? He took her by the head and he lifted her up. My God, your God, my Father, your Father is an uplifting God. He's an uplifting God. Hallelujah! When Joseph was in a well, God found a way to get him out and lift him up. I'm here to tell you something. Jesus lifted up Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus lifted up the boy with the epileptic seizures. Jesus lifted up the the, the widow's of Naïan son. Jesus lifted up the little girl by Saint Elitha Kumai. Jesus lifted up Mary Magdalene. Jesus lifted up, and He wants to lift you up every second of every day. In your And we're going to enter into how he does that. And Again, do you see how different this is? Do you see how different this is than condemnation? Condemnation does nothing but tear you down and make you live so low to the ground. Just like the woman in Luke 13. She could in no wise lift herself up when Jesus saw her. He didn't say the Father's done this. He didn't say this is my will. He said, "Lo." She's been in this bondage, in this condition for 18 years. How can I not touch her? And he lifted her up. Oh, glory to God. I tell you, he ever lives to lift you up. I tell you, I, Jesus, I, I, I know what's coming. I just sense the heart of God. I've been, you know, I've just been in prayer just, just for weeks and weeks and months. And I, 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 Jesus is just giving me some insight, some inside information about what's going to take place. Now and I'm so excited. I believe you're going to get imparted to you by the heart of God. Everyday life in the spirit of El Elyon. All right. So so how do we enter into that? What are the specifics? All right. All right. First of all, I'm going to to share with you uh, 10 ways that he lifts you up. And every one of them are exciting. Number one, he lifts you up through the word of God. Can I tell you something? This is not a rule book to condemn you you know, I was talking to a professor of religion at a well-known Christian college, uh, one of the best Christian colleges in the United States. And he said, you know, I wish I had the joy that you have. He said, but you know what? I hate to read the word. That's what he told me. He said, because every time I get into it, it condemns me. He said, but I read it out of obligation because I know I should. I said, Doc, this is the heart of God in written form. Every time you see a promise, It's the heart of God. This is not a rule book to condemn you. It's the heart of God to set you free. I tell you what, when you get into the word of God, you enter in to a treasure hunt and you you enter into the spirit of El Elyon that says, man, he's going to lift me up through what he reveals to me. Glory to God. You know, John 17, 23, I'll never forget uh, when God revealed that to me. It says that God Almighty, Loves you and I as much as he loves Jesus Christ. Now, and that obviously doesn't make you a little God. Doesn't make you Jesus Christ. But relationally. God Almighty. Loves you not one iota less. Oh my. It's amazing to me. You know when I heard that verse. Because I was in condemnation. I, I told the Lord. I'll never forget. I was in my bedroom. And I threw my Bible. I just threw it across the room. And it hit up against the ball and I said, Lord, how do you expect me to believe that when I know who I am and my sinfulness and what I've done in the past? And the Lord came to me and said, I've written this, that I might lift you up, that you might know who I am to you. And I remember embracing it and just holding it so close to me and saying, Jesus, I'll let you minister to me and you know the next week the very next week I heard a very good Bible teacher on the radio but he said and he alluded to the verse of John 17 23 he said we all know what it says God loves you as much as he loves Jesus but he said you know what I basically just passed it over because I, I can't accept that beloved we have to accept it because it's verses like this that lift us up. some verses are so powerful so intimate so glorious We want to say, you know, it it can't be for me. And we pass them over. We can't pass them over. We have to embrace them, immerse ourselves in them, and be lifted up by them. John 17, 10, I love this verse. Jesus said, I thank you for the men that you've given me. I have been glorified in them. Now, I don't know about you. I've shared this prayer, but I've got to share it again. If I am giving an epitaph of the apostles, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm telling the father, these guys were okay. They got a long way to go. But Jesus says, I'm still thankful for these men. They've glorified me. They've strengthened me. They've lifed me. You see, I get this verse and I see the heart of God. I see that he looks at me, not by my actions, but by my heart and I'm uplifted. Exodus 34, 14. I'll never forget. I was fasting three days. I was fasting. And you know, I'll be honest with you. It just seemed like it wasn't working. The only thing I got was hungry. You know, it wasn't hungry for God. It was hungry for pizza and, and cake and ice cream. And I and I didn't tell the Lord this, but I was, I'm thinking, I'm so glad this fast is over. And I was only fasting to get more intimate with the Lord, but I didn't tell him this as, as if he didn't know, right? And I said, uh, I'm thinking to myself, I'm so glad this is over. I'll never forget. He said, Michael, could you fast one more day? And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, the first three days didn't work. What's another day going to do? And of course, I didn't say it to him, but he knew what I was thinking. He said, one more day, please. I didn't. I'll never forget. I just flung my Bible open, just flung it open. And usually when I fling, fling my Bible open, I mean, it's like, Man, I get the genealogies. You know what I'm saying? My wife gets, I, you know, God loves me and this type of thing. I usually get the genealogies. But this time, and you know what's interesting? You know, we're, we're doing this video live. That's amazing. I, I just, my help is that flipped open to the very verse I flipped open to regarding that fast. Exodus 34:14. Lord to God. It says, I am the Lord who is jealous, whose name is jealous. Yahweh Kenna. Q-U-E-N-N-A. And the Lord came to me and said, I'm jealous. I don't want you to live holy so you can lose things. I want you to live right because I'm a jealous God. And when you're with someone else that you shouldn't be with or with something else you shouldn't, you know what? I'm so jealous because I love you so much. It changed my life. Glory to God. i tell you, I just Jesus. Luke 15 You see the story of the prodigal son. Oh, glory to God. You see, you just see that. You see so many things, the story of the prodigal son. And you see the heart of God towards you. So, oh, glory to Jesus. I I need to go quicker because of time's sake. But, but, oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. You know, it is so amazing. So amazing. All right. So the number, the first specific is the word of God. The second is is his voice. You know, when God spoke to Jesus, in the waters of baptism, in Luke chapter 3, and then when he spoke to Jesus as recorded in uh, Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9, in the Mount of Transfiguration, what did he say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, obviously you're not Jesus, but God is only going to speak to you. What lifts you up? You know, so often in my time of, of trial, God's come to me and said, you know what? I'm with you. I love you. The voice of God is amazing. It's amazing. Oh, hallelujah. Revelations 3 says, if you hear my voice, if you hear my voice, first the word, then his voice. Oh, glory to God. You know, uh, oh, Jesus. In, in some of my greatest times of struggle and even missing the mark, I've had the Lord come to me. And not ought to believe it in a way that I knew it was him and say, you know what, Michael? I believe in you. See, it's one thing for you to believe in God. It's another thing to know that he believes in you. I'll tell you the voice of God is the second way that he lifts you up. The third way is through worship. You know what? No matter what you feel like, he will come to you. And he comes to you because he loves you. You know, there's some things that are just not taught. They're caught. Worship is amazing. You know, worship... Mm. Jesus, worship is so precious and then it enables the very presence of the living God to come to you. You know, if you go into a room after there's been a heated argument, there is strife in the air. You know, you can sense it. You can perceive it, can't you? My friend, when you come into the presence of God, the heart of God's in the air. The glory of God's in the air. And you know that that? That glory gets in you. And I guarantee you, it will never condemn you. It may convict you. It will never condemn you. It will laugh you. It will edify you. It will lift you up. It will lift you up. And you know what excites me? When you're lifted up by God, that's when you will lift him up. A lot of people ask me, why do you lift your hands in church? Well, I say, well, it's all through the Bible and the Psalms. I will lift up holy hands. It's in the book of Timothy. I will lift up holy hands. But you know the reason I lift up holy hands? I get lifted up by him every day. And me lifting my hands is just a natural response to being lifted up. When I'm in a quiet place, I lift my hands. But more than that, I lift my heart. Because you see, He lifts me up. He lifts me up. Glory to God. He's so awesome. He's so awesome. The fourth way that He lifts you up is through wholeness. I want to share a testimony with you that I believe that can is life-changing. I prayed for a woman recently. She had lung cancer and... Uh, she worked in the community where I live, and I had the privilege to pray for her uncle who had lost his eyesight to my vis And they, the doctor said, he'll never get it back. And by the grace of God, after simple prayer, uh, he, the wife, in fact, his wife, they were both in their 70s at the time, and he was a farmer. And she said, you know, when we went to bed that night, we just sensed that. She said, I sensed the presence of God on his eyes the whole night long. And he woke up and he had, he had full sight. He rode his tractor that morning. It's been going ever since. But in her, her, uh, the aunt, the the wife of this man, received a miracle. She had uh, a tumor on uh, that was uh, could prove deadly. And long story short, her simple prayer. Uh, We prayed for her on a Friday night. Her uh, her children were all up from South Carolina, and. I, I, it was funny, I, I, she was a, a Methodist woman, she said, you know what, you remind me of my, she was in her 70s, she said, when I was a little girl, and about 1923, she said, you know what, uh, we had a preacher remind me of you, and I just kid her, I said, well, he's to be commended and she said, no, just, he just believed the Bible, and uh, she said, you know, just pray for me, and we did, and I sensed God, and I went home and told my wife that night, and I said, you know, I just feel like we had contact in the spirit realm, I, I sensed we touched Jesus, and he touched her, and. You know that next day, they went in and they couldn't find a thing. But long story short, I was praying for the, the niece now, and a uh, simple prayer. And as we, as she was from a Baptist orientation. She said, "You know, uh, this is a little. I, I know that my aunt got healed and my uncle, but this is still somewhat foreign to me. I, I haven't been taught along these lines." But I said, "You know what? I just sense the heart of God towards you. Now, please listen to this. If you get anything, get this today." As we were praying, I just began to cry. And, and I said to her out loud, I said, you're too precious to die. I said, you're so precious. I, I knew some things about her past that she went through. Just a precious woman of God, faithful to her church, just love God. I, and I, she said, oh, she said, I've got so many shortcomings. She said, you'd never say that if you really knew me. I said, I want to tell you something. You're so precious to the heart of God. You are so precious to God. I said, you're just too precious to die. And you know, we prayed, and this is a true story. She came back with a good report, no no cancer. But you know, the key to me wasn't so much her being healed of cancer, but it was the heart of God. You see, I don't care what you've done in one in one context I, what you've been through god has provision isn't it amazing Actually, i share testimonies like that and someone says yeah but you know people reap what they sow and this and that i'm here to tell you something it's amazing you know people will say well you know you, you you committed murder and you can be forgiven you did this you can be forgiven you committed adultery you can be forgiven but you know what i don't know if you can be healed because you did that that's your mind that's not the mind of christ That's not El Elyon. See, it's not about the problem. It's about the heart of God. It's about El Elyon. All right. God wants to bless you financially. Psalm 35, 27. Someone says, well, I just believe I'm ordained to suffer financially because of what I did. I'm here to tell you something. If we were going to get blessed on the basis of who we are in the flesh, no one would ever be blessed. Psalm 35, 27. God says, I take great delight in the prosperity of my people. Now, now, here's one I want to take a little bit of time on. It's the area of desires. It's in the context of wholeness. And i share this testimony with you. I was ministering uh, to somebody and uh, they were blind and uh, they were just uh, very, very bad off. They were blind and uh, plus they were in a wheelchair. And uh wasn't a good deal. It just, just wasn't a good deal. And I, 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 Kathy and I and my wife, we were, I just said, you know, can we pray for you? And uh, she lived in the Cleveland area, and we just happened to be over in that area ministering. And I, I just came out and said, you know, I said, did you have a desire to be married? And she said, you got to be kidding me. She said, I'm in a wheelchair. I, I can hardly, I, I, I can just walk a few steps. I don't have my eyesight. She said, who on earth would want to marry me? I, I said, dear sister, that wasn't the question I asked you. I didn't ask you who would marry you in your mind. I said, do you have a desire to be married? She began to weep and said, yes. You know, we prayed for her and God helped her. God gave her favor. And and I mean, she was married to one of the most eligible men in her area. In her area, small town outside of Cleveland. Within a year, glory to God. Hallelujah. Has a family, just awesome. All right. Number five, encouragement. I'm here to tell you, God wants to encourage you. You know, all of us get down at times. But you see, we, God, God doesn't want us to stay down. He wants to lift us up. i never forget years ago, I, I, was, uh, with, I was in a coffee house. And uh, there was a, a, a man there that was a drummer from um, a, a well-known Christian group in our area. And then there was another man in that same group who played guitar. And a very precious man, his name was Jeff Cogswell. And he's a blind guitarist, good friend of mine. And then the one man in the group just said, you know what? I just feel like giving up on God. He said, I feel like he's giving up on me. He said, I, I," he just feeling sorry for himself. Like we all do sometimes. And he said, I'm, he said, I'm down in the, I'm down in the valley. He said, I just can't get out of it. And I'm just tired of it. And my friend, Jeff, who is blind, he could sense where the voice was coming from. And he looked up, he had sunglasses on. He says, are you down in the valley, brother? And he said, I'm down in a deep valley. And Jeff just looked up with those and said, you know what? He said, that's where all the lilies are. And it just broke this man, brought encouragement to his life and recommitment. Remember Moses, they were losing the battle. And then Aaron and Ur, Aaron and her said, you know what? Aaron said, I'm going to lift up one arm. Her said, I'm going to lift up the other arm. See, as Moses was lifted up, he started to win the battle. Mm. you need to be around people that lift you up. Glory to God. Number six, you know, one of the things I love most about God, he's called the helper. He's not called the condemner. He's called the helper. You know what? You know, to me, it's so exciting when I weddings, I love weddings. I have four daughters and one way I don't like them because you have to pay for them when you have four daughters. But one way I do like them, you know, each one of my daughters, uh, you know, two of them are married now. Another one is almost getting there and another one is younger. But you know what's exciting to me? I mean, from the time they were three, four, five years old, they got their Barbie doll and their Ken doll. And I mean, they were marching down the aisle. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the wedding day was so precious and they had attendance, didn't they? They have a maiden honor. They have people in their party. In this case, it was some of the other sisters and friends and they would help them Put on, you know, their bridal gown. They would make sure the gown was just right. Can I tell you, God Almighty will encourage you by being your helper. What will he help you with? He will help you put on the robe of righteousness every day. As it says in the book of Colossians, put on Christ. You see, every day, I tell you what, can be like a wedding day. You know, I tell you what, that to me excites me. The Holy Spirit will help you put on. Glory to God, the gown, the garment of righteousness. Hallelujah. Number seven, special manifestations. Now, a lot of people, sometimes they don't believe the testimonies I share because they're strong. But I always ask them, do you you read the Bible? See, God will do almost anything for you. Because of Jesus Christ in you, because of who you are to him. In 2 Kings chapter uh, 6, a man lost an axe head. that went down in a deep lake. It was lost. And he went to the prophet and said, Master, he said, you know what was borrowed? And uh, Elisha came over and he he threw in a, he he chopped a, a little tree down. He threw it in the water. The tree symbolized the cross. And the axe head just floated to the top supernaturally. And he said, here you go. Wow, what a God we serve. You know, Mark chapter six, when Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes, there was no reason for him to do it. They had money. There was towns right there with plenty of bread. He did it just to bless Mark chapter eight. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes because he said, some, a few people, they might enter into a place of fainting on the way. I was ministering to a precious young lady. And uh, my wife and I were both ministering to her. And uh, I told her, I said, you know what? You've been so hurt through abuse. You know, false guilt has penetrated your life, your soul. I said, your innocence has been taken away. I said, we're going to ask for a spirit of restoration through the spirit of El Elyon. God's just going to lift you up. And, uh, and she was from a denominational uh, church where, I mean, just the supernatural was not well received. But she said, okay, we started to pray with her. And she came into the very next session and she was just smiling. And I said, well, what are you smiling about? My wife said, you just look aglow. And she said, well, you're not going to believe it. She said, I'm not even going to tell you. You're not going to believe it. And I said, well, well, try. She said, uh, I've just been asking God to show me his heart, to restore unto me my innocence and my life. She said, I have a fish. I paid quite a bit for him, like 15, 20 dollars. And, and, and I, I come home, and I, and she said, I woke up in the morning and the fish just, I mean, seemed like he wasn't doing real well. It looked like he's dead. She said, I said, Lord, if you can do anything to help my fish, just help. I came home and that fish, you say, you mean God touched a fish? My friend, it's not about anything except the heart of God. You know, God touching that fish did more for that young woman anything you could ever imagine him touching that fish in that fishbowl did more for her than religion ever did you see we're not talking religion we're talking the heart of God a part of the heart of God that ever lives to lift you up glory to God oh there's so much here I could give so many examples of special manifestations Oh, Jesus. Uh, Mahesh Shav, the great minister of the gospel, ministered with Derek Prince before Derek went to be with the Lord. He was hunting and he was, uh, in, I believe, in the state of Oregon. And uh, he was just so discouraged. And uh, just discouraged. And he said, God, if you could ever just encourage me, encourage me. And there was a man, he felt his ministry was to put scripture verses on pigeons who would fly, I mean, hundreds of miles. And here this, somehow this pigeon landed in this field where he was laying down waiting to shoot a duck or a goose or something. And he, the pigeon lands right beside him. He picks up the pigeon and, and takes off a scripture verse that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. My friend, that's El Elion. I'll never forget, I, I was just praying not even along these lines and I had a vision. Of the devil, just condemning Saul and trying even to condemn God for making Saul the head of His church and the man that wrote half the New Testament, and he was just ranting and raving. And after a while, I just saw—I saw in a vision the Lord turned to the devil and say, "There's no man by the name of Saul that is the head of my church, or wrote half the New Testament. That man's name is Paul." You see, God will manifest Himself to encourage you. I I know of a man years ago that before he was saved was so abused so condemned so hurting and a number of people said you know uh, just go up and open up the bible he finally did and, and, and written there was michael i love you there's so much so much anything is favor god wants to give you favor he just wants to give you favor you said i don't deserve it he just wants to give you favor it's not about what you deserve it's about who he is. Again, you owed a debt that you could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. Number nine is divine ability. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Divine ability. See, this is under the auspices of grace. So, number nine is grace. And the first uh, variable of grace is divine ability. Grace involves unmerited favor and it involves the divine ability. When God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, he's talking about divine ability. Can I tell you something? One of the verses that mean the most to me is Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And Romans chapter 8, verse 11, let's turn there. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, there's an amazing verse. Some of you know it, but I want you to see it in the context of El Elyon. You can tell me, boy, if you're watching by DVD, you could probably see this Bible that it's a, it's a little bit written on. It's a, you know, I'm a visual learner, and I tell you what, this Bible is written in because these verses, being, they're just so precious to me. But Romans 8, 11, if I can read it I, I, amongst all the ink, it just says this. Oh, Jesus, if the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead Oh, wow. He will give life to your mortal bodies as well. Jesus was raised from the dead. El Elyon. Resurrection, again, is a derivative of El Elyon, the God who lifts up, who raises up. Here's what the scripture's saying. When you're so weak and you feel so unworthy and you feel that your weakness is due to your past sin or your weaknesses and shortcomings, God says, no, no, no. The same spirit that raised up, that lifted up Jesus Christ from the grave will lift you up, will give you strength that you don't have. I'll tell you, one of the greatest trials of my life is when I was just a, a 21-year-old boy. Uh, my mother was dying of uh, complications due to spinal bifida. And there was a fire on, uh, really, it was the Saturday before Easter. And she died of smoke inhalation. You know, she died of, uh, there's just too much smoke. And, uh, you know, it just broke my heart. And I was a young Christian at the time. And I said, God, I said, I want to follow you, but I just don't have the strength. And something came into me. Something lifted me up. I said, something lifted me up. That something will lift you up. And enabled me to rejoice that she was in heaven. Enabled me to testify about the grace of God at her funeral. Something lifted me up. Whether it's a small thing that you just have a weakness in, or if it's, it's a, something that is very, very, uh, oh my, mountainous, he will lift you up. The second part of grace is when you fall, he's going to lift you up. You know what's exciting about God? When you fall, he doesn't condemn you. He lifts you up. I'll never forget in my youth. I, due to my mother's sickness, I was so angry, so hurt. And you hear hurt people hurt people, and I was in trouble a lot. I remember one time I was at a police station for uh, something, and my dad was a tough guy. He was not saved at the time. He's about 5'9", about 260 pounds, and when he came down to the police station, I thought he was just going to grab me by the scruff of my neck and just, you know, just give it to me. But I'll never forget, he said, Son, he said, I understand. He knew what I was going through. You see? Instead of tearing me down, he lifted me up. I never forgot that. God's going to, the Bible says a a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. How does he get up? He gets up because he's lifted up. When Peter sank because he got his eyes off of Jesus and on the storm, what did Jesus do? Did he let him stay in the water just to know what it was like, to miss it, and and, and to suffer the consequence of unbelief? Just gargle a little bit underneath there? No. He lifted him up. He lifted him up. And the walk back was was better than the one ounce. God using you. You say, I've committed sin. How can God use me? I'll never forget the testimony of T.O. Osborne, a great healing evangelist. His grandson had been on, him and his wife, Daisy, their grandson had been on drugs for years. I mean, just a mess of their life, and his wife was on drugs, and they came to Jesus. And I mean, about a year and a half after coming to Jesus, they're ministering in an orphanage. Most of all the kids there were, they never heard, they never spoke. And 17 orphans heard and spoke for the first time. You know, they didn't have a hard time with it. The officials there that weren't Christians didn't have a hard time with it. You know who had a hard time with it? Was Christians? How could God use him? seeing he was a drug addict a year and a half ago. Maybe God used him because he gave all the glory to God and was trusting in the righteousness of God rather than himself. All I know is this he'll grace you through using you lastly john 17 26 turn there with me if you would in the context this is the last thing in regards to the specifics john 17 26 again we have a very colorful bible here because i've written in it so much oh glory to god john 17 26 jesus says this these are the last words he spoke before he went to the cross he said father I've declared unto them thy name. Remember we started out, we said there's a Logos name, written word, written name, revealed name, declared name, and manifested name. Jesus said, I've declared thy name unto the men that you've given me. And I will continue to declare it so that the love that I experienced on the earth will be experienced by them. That the same love you loved me with will be in them and I in them. My friend, listen to me. This is the way you're lifted up most. Jesus Christ loves you so much that the last thing he spoke before he went to the cross is, Father, when I'm at your right hand after I resurrect, I will continue to declare to you this prayer request, that the love that you love me with, you would love them with so they could experience the same love That I experienced. It's not half of the love that the father loved Jesus with. It was the same love. The same degree. You're lifted up. Not by being torn down. You're lifted up. By the embrace of God. You're lifted up. By the love of the father. The same love. The same love. That was given to him. It's amazing. It's amazing. Glory to Jesus. There's just a few more things I want to share. with Well, there's a lot of where I want to share with you, but I only have time to share a few more things. I want you to know a couple things. One, this is 24 seven every day. Because you see, this is the heart of God. This is not about you. See, some, I can tell you're saying, man, I can't put, I wrap my mind around this because see, you're trying to wrap your mind around it with you being the center. Am I worthy? Can I endure this love? Can I handle it? See, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about his heart towards you. You know, when man used to think that the earth was the center of the universe, it it was deception. When we found that, man, that the the sun was the center of our solar system, it didn't revolve around the earth, it revolved around the sun, it changed everything. When you find out that your faith is not based on who you think you are or what you think is good, how much love you think you should have, but it's based upon it revolves around the heart of god it changes everything this is just the way it is you're made to be lifted up some of you need to hear this you're made to be lifted up now i, I want to share something I, I wasn't going to share it because after you listen to this video when i tell people listen to the cd series or watch the dvd series then i always tell them there's another series called uh, it's an amazing series I-, I love it it's called honoring god through your worship honored by god through his grace uh, it's it's a dvd series cd series it's a but i want to share just a little bit with you because you need to see that god wants to honor you what's it mean to be honored by god see there's honor which equated with worship which of course is only for god then we honor our fathers and mothers we honor our spouses our children but then there's an honor according to Psalm ninety-one fourteen, that God wants to give to you. Psalm ninety-one fourteen to 17, God says, I will honor you because you love me. I will honor you because you're my child. And I will honor you with long life and by showing you my salvation. I believe the, oh, the, the glories of being lifted up is his salvation. But I want you to see something. The perception of God is that you bless him so much. Just this John 17:10 shares and that you're called to be a blessing to him. I'll never forget. There was a young lady that uh, was in our church at, uh, and she was always, she was a, just had so much going for her. I mean, just great job, great husband, great everything, but she would always condemn herself. And I, I said to her one day, uh, she was, uh, her and my wife were having a, a cup of tea and I, and I walked in the room and I just said, you know, man, the heart of God is so strongly towards you. And she said, you know, I mean, he just, she looked at me and she said, I don't believe that. She said, what could God ever see in me? You know, without thinking, I just said, you know what? He sees himself. And I just walked out and she began to weep. She just began to weep. God Almighty sees you as his child. Glory to Jesus. Let me close by sharing a few things. It's hard to close. See, when we are talking like this, man, the devil rises up, religion rises up, people rise up. I mean, your soul rises up and says, no, this can't be true. You're sturdy, you're unworthy, you're second best. You're not forgiven. It's not as easy as this, but God cries out. God cries out. When the devil cries out, and people cry out dirty, unworthy, condemned. God cries out, the blood, righteous. God cries out, your heart. Precious. God cries out, My child, lift it up. I want to tell you something. It's all about Jesus. You say it's all about me and my past and my shortcomings, and God says, No. It's all about my perception. I perceive that through the blood you're righteous, I perceive that through your heart you're precious. I perceive that through your being my child, you're blessed and lifted up. Who will you believe? I believe that you're going to believe and do believe in his heart. In the spirit that cries out, the blood righteous, the heart precious, my child lifted up. As we close, let me just share two verses with you. Psalm 3.3 and Psalm 5.3. In Psalm 3.3, the Bible says that he is the glory and the lifter of your head. I want to tell you something. Many of you have been walking with your head down for years. I tell you, I've walked like this at times. You're walking with your head down because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel esteemed. You don't feel accepted. You don't feel there's a way out. And God says, I am the glory and the lifter of your head. Now, it's, oh, oh, it's amazing. Let me, just, let me share this with you. When he says, I am the glory, I'm your glory, that is the name Yahweh Shema. I am the God of glory. When he says, I am the lifter of your head, that is the name El Elyon. I am Yahweh Shema, your glory. I am. The lifter of your head, El Elyon. You see, this is who God is. This is His heart. You know that Jesus is righteous. You know that Jesus is without sin, He cannot lie. I want to say something to you that I hope you'll never forget. As much as God is sinless, as much as God cannot lie, He is your Father. And he ever lives to lift you up every second of every day. And what's exciting is this. When you enter into this reality, you stop walking with your head down. And you start walking with your head up. And in this context, I want to close with this verse and then pray a simple prayer for you. And Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, Psalm 5, 3 Listen to this. It says, my voice, will you hear, O God, in the morning? O Lord, in the morning, will I lift up my prayer unto you? And then I will look up. I will look up. You know why you look up? You look up when you're expecting something good. See, when your head's down, you're not expecting anything good, and you're hoping that the bad won't come. But when you look up, you're expecting. Ellie on to lift you up you're expecting something good and when you walk with your head lifted up I guarantee you he looks at you and he says you know what this is my heart never again will you walk in condemnation with your head down see when you're down by the earth when you're down by the dirt that's where the enemy is the enemy does not have wings The enemy is a snake on the ground. That's where you're vulnerable. But when you look up, you live up, and you're lifted up, you're above the enemy as an eagle. An eagle does not have to fight crows. An eagle does not have to fight a crow or a vulture because a crow or a vulture cannot enter into the sphere, the realm that the eagle is in. My prayer for you, that you will understand that you will never again have to fight condemnation because Jesus has cleansed you from it in his own precious blood and he is now lifting you up second by second so that you will never again be vulnerable to condemnation. I love you so much but the love of God is so much stronger. I I don't want to close because this is so good but you know the exciting thing? When you're done listening to the CD or watching this DVD, it's never ending. When you're under condemnation, you felt like it was never ending. The disgrace, the false guilt, the shame, the inability, trying to prove yourself over and over again, trying to become somebody. But I'm here to tell you this. The uplifting spirit of the heart of God is never ending. Because it's infinite. Because it's who he is. God Almighty ever lives. To lift you up. Again he was lifted up on Calvary's tree. He paid a debt that he did not owe. So you. Could be lifted up. In his glory. In his awesomeness and his love. Would you pray with me right now. Just say, Father, it seems too good to be true. But I know it's true. Condemnation is not a part of you. So it's not going to be a part of me. You ever live to lift me up. You died so you could lift me up second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, year by year. I give you myself and I receive El Elyon the God who lifts up and I confess to you father that I will never ever let myself enter into condemnation and if I did I just let you lift me up out of it anyways But Father, I'm not only delivered from condemnation. The best part is I'm delivered into your heart. Thank you so much. I just want to say this to you. God doesn't take you out of something just to take you out of it. He takes you out of something to put you into something else. He takes you from one place to put you in another. He's taking you out of condemnation to put you into the heart, to his heart, the heart of El Elyon. Again, it's just hard for me to stop because I sense his heart. But as we close, his heart's never going to stop lifting you up in all the ways we discussed and so much more. Because you see, he lives to laugh you because in you being laughed, he lives. He's amazing. He's amazing. And his amazing love. Makes you amazing. And causes you. To look up. And know. And to know. His heart. Will come to you. Every day of your life. Condemnation free. Condemnation free. Now. And forever.